0: This meeting is being recorded.
1: Let's start up with the prayer. Mm. Om mm. Sahana mm. Bhavatu, Bhavatu. Sahana Bhunatu Sahavivyam Karavavahai Tejasvinavadhi Tamastumavidhvishavahai Om shanti 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 so um, last week uh, just quickly summarizing the shlokas we completed uh, 4.33 to 37 and uh, it starts off with uh, uh, you know a basic question uh, basic doubt that uh, people have in their minds. Okay, there are uh, Bhagavan Krishna has described these uh, twelve different uh, paths. Can all these uh, different paths lead to the same goal, or do they lead to different goals? And uh, the second doubt that people will have uh, is that uh, are these not mere theories propounded by Krishna Himself? And uh, You know why should I follow these theories? That's the doubt that uh, that we started discussing in the last uh, uh, satsang. So then, uh, in in from sloka thirty two onwards, Bhagwan explains saying that uh, you know these twelve types of sacrifices or Yajnas as what uh, the using the analogy of Yajna. he says that they are all literally leading us to Brahman, right? but what we have to recognize is that all of them are born out of action karma and uh, uh, it, it seems to indicate there saying that you know it's not inaction that is going to lead us to brahman but it's good it's, it's the karma these are all the actions that's going to lead us and knowing that these are all uh, born out of actions and actions are obviously born out of desire then we will be free so Then he goes on to explain, saying that how do you know what what it is, which is the Shloka 24, Brahmarpanam, where then he talks about the uh, knowledge and how that is superior to uh, any sort of yajna that is done with any dravya, which is the objects. right? So Bhagwan's logic is that all actions in its entirety will culminate in knowledge, jnana yajna. And uh, then he goes on to explain about uh, you know uh, what does it what does it mean and uh, how does uh, how does one get this knowledge? And then um, the in Shloka 34 he says that we have to go and question and serve and with Shraddha ask a master to give us that particular knowledge, which kind of you know indicates you know, what's the attitude one should take to really understand the knowledge, what is required for, for us to realize who the goal, uh, the goal of life is. Uh, then, um, then he says that uh, uh, knowledge alone, which is imparted by those who have realized the truth, that alone and no other knowledge can, can be effective. And and he says that once we get that knowledge, we are no more deluded uh, in our life in terms of you know what what's the action, what is it going to lead me, and what and how does knowledge actually help me to overcome all the goals in life, right? So uh, he also kind of you know, emphasizes that even uh, the most sinful of all sinners, once they know what this knowledge is, they'll be able to cross through the boat of life. Right, and in in our discussions in the last satsang, uh, like what we uh, uh, focused in the in the pre- previous uh, 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 previous satsang, you know, one of the in the previous satsang it was basically about pranayama as a technique and whether how how it can how it is to be done and who can do it, what should be done, and all that stuff. So in the last satsang, the key anchor seems to be you know about the guru tatva. Right, the principle of guru okay you know how should we go about the guru what should we look for in a guru those are the kind of topics that we discussed yesterday uh, in the last satsang. and I think um, uh, in, in, in the whole idea of the whole idea of trying to get knowledge you know, okay you've gotten this knowledge about who we are in in chapter two or by reading the book but why is it still not sufficient why should we actually have a guru uh, the, the guru kind of you know uh, instruct us? And then there was this discussion about whether the guru is a person or or a being, and I think there's a beautiful point which was made by um, uh, several of us. But one thing which stuck in my head was uh, Krishna's comment about the twenty-four gurus for uh, uh, that Lord Tatraya, who who mentions that you know what he learned from each of the principles like earth, uh, sky, uh, python, and things like that. Which I think he shared a link as well. So. Um, I think I kind of you know, sort of summarized what we uh, uh, concluded in the last uh, satsang and this uh, uh, now we are uh, nearing the completion of this chapter uh, four from 37, 38 to the 42 slokas, and as usual, anyone can pick up the thread and start trigger off this conversation with uh, your aha moments.
0: I think just one comment that uh, action will not lead to freedom. Action will lead to the knowledge. Knowledge will lead to freedom. That's just it. A... It's
2: a very good point. Just last week in another lecture, Swami Paramarthananda was using the term Sakshat sambandha and Parampara sambandha. Like, so he was giving the analogy of uh, if you have hunger and you want to reduce, get away from the hunger, you have to cook and then you have to eat. But both of them are necessary, but cooking is the first step and then but eating is the one that will finally kill the uh, hunger problem. So he was giving this example of direct and indirect.
0: Yeah, they are also referred to as antarang sadhan and bahirang sadhan antarang which are closer to listening and bahirang.
3: one query on uh, you know Shukata 37 where they talk about uh, sarvakarmani so i mean uh, both in this book uh, Swami C's book as well as Professor VK's book, you know, to make it very clear that, you know, here even though it refers to all the karma, but it is actually referring to only uh, Sanchita and Agami and uh, prarabdha. anyway you'll have to live through it, right? So I think it refers to uh, Sanchita karma and Agami karma. So, but, we, but we, we all are aware of people who have attained uh, uh, you know, enlightenment while living also. So does it mean that, you know, so they basically, you know, if, if I have to live through Prarabdha and then only, um, uh, you know, at least my, uh, the, the body part, only when they die, I I get the enlightenment or can I get the enlightenment even while living? Because Prarabdha anyway, I have to live through it and go through the suffering and so on.
0: Um, actually, uh, Shankaracharya makes an interesting point on this that yes, prarat karma the body has to go through. But uh, uh, when you are enlightened, you realize you are not the body. So the body can go through the prarat, you are not going through it. So um, so you can get enlightened, first of all, without uh, uh, going through all the prarat karmas. But uh, it's more of uh, you know the arrow which has left the bow it has to hit the target so yes the body does go through it because um each prarabd will have a lot of people associated with it and conditions and circumstances etc so you can't take out this one person unless you go back in time and then fix that that karma and take that out right so like in the movie the move the if you take it out the whole Sequence change, but you can't do that in this world. So yes, the body does go through the prarup. but then once you are enlightened, you know you're not the body. So who's going through the prarabdha? So even the prarabdha karmas are no longer valid in that sense. That's uh, Shankaracharya's. Uh, I mean, that is on, the concept the
4: of uh, that's the concept, uh, sukha of uh, jivanmukta that you are enlightened, really? but you will continue to. And to Alpana's point, uh, you know, Swami, uh, he kind of makes a very interesting analogy and he says, it's almost like electricity. Uh, So your prarabdha is like electricity, which will kind of continue to go and give you shocks, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. But he says, after you become Jeevan Mukta, just think of the electricity is insulated, you know, in a wire. And so it doesn't affect the Jeevan Mukta because, you know, like, like she said, you know, it's you know, it, it you know, it's the body and the mind, the it doesn't affect the, the jivanmukta. Uh, so yeah, but you still have to live through the parapta, and you know, if you're ill or if you're kind of having cancer or if you have like any other problem, that will continue till the parapta is sort of exhausted.
0: And suffering is definitely not there. Yeah. You of the enlightened the- you ask them, they they don't suffer. Even if the well, insulated
4: thing. from that, yeah. I think the other interesting point that I heard, which was quite interesting, was that when you talk about burning of uh Sanchita and and all the past karmas, it is both the good and the bad karmas that get burnt. It's not just the the bad right. karmas right. that get burnt. Because uh, if only if the good karmas continued, then you're still in the life in the cycle of life and death, and you'd probably end up in, in yeah. heaven because you've got so much kind of Good karma, good. But you are still sort of in that cycle, which doesn't doesn't kind of get you to moksha. So it's both good and bad, which gets burnt yeah.
0: Interesting uh, difference. Sorry, right? I was just saying interesting differentiation between jivanmukta and enlightened. You may be enlightened and still not jivanmukta. So enlightened and jivanmukta is only when you have asnaasha, only when your desires are burnt.
5: State Sorry again. I, I, uh, Alpana, what was it? Enlightenment and Jivan Mukta.
0: You may still have a big breakthrough, but you may not be a Jivan Mukta. So you still need to do a little bit more work after being after the breakthrough to become Jivan Mukta.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. The desires need to go away. Vasanas needs to happen.
5: Yeah. In fact, you mean to say you can get comment. enlightenment without the desires going up?
0: You can get th- the breakthrough. Yes.
4: Yeah, Swami so uh, Nandaji kind of you know talked about two steps before Jivanmukta, and one of them I recall was called uh, Tattvagyanam. And so you could get Tattvagyanam, but you may still have your vasanas or you know kamas, and that needs to get you know you need to kind of uh, go away from those before you get to be in the true state of Jivanmukta, leading
5: to motion. And uh, uh, does it have to do with those, uh, uh, what do you call, uh, I'm missing the terms, uh, even uh, the the Nirvikalpa Samadhi and uh, uh, there are different stages of Samadhi, right? Uh, Does it have to do with that uh, as well that you can get enlightenment a long time before, but you have to go through those uh, various steps in order to be a Jivan Mukta?
0: Uh, not 100% sure about that, but Samadhi is not mandatory for, for for being a Jeevan Mukta or an enlightened being. It is not a prereq.
5: I see. I see. Okay. Okay. Okay.
0: I mean, that's what I have read. <laughs> so, or i have actually asked SPG as well. So he said Samadhi is not, because Samadhi comes and goes. So okay. people who are not enlightened can get samadhi, but they may still not be uh, enlightened. And
5: enlightened. And vice versa. And you don't need to be uh, go through samadhi at all to. No. Okay, okay.
3: See the right. yeah
6: the point two two diametrically opposite points both made by Swami P. One in Bhagavad Gita reference to these shlokas, He says, "Papam kills you immediately. Punyam kills you over birds." so it just it just drags you and just messes you up for a longer period of time but in vivek chutamani he i mean adi Shankaracharya takes the whole thing and just inverts it in the middle of chutamani he says uh, aiming for jivan mukti is like really copping out he says that's a waste of time he says jivan mukti will happen whether you like it or not what you really have to realize is you are not this body at all you are never this body so you you get vidhi mukti and jivan mukti will by the way it'll happen anyway you don't need to like what Alpana's point. So the focus on even though S.P.G. says, I think they kind of even Swami Vivekananda in his book, which I tried to read, Jivanmukti Viveka, and just after like ten shlokas, it just gave up because it was too heavy. And I, Swami P. explains it very well. In, in uh, he says, you go through. You don't have brahman jnanam is not a problem. Everybody has it. Is brahman, jnana phala anubhavam is the issue. you don't able to not able to sustain the fact that you are you're already that, you're not this body-mind and therefore you have to go through these vasana shayas, loka vasana, deha vasana, shastra vasana. You just keep diluting them away. And uh, so the, the focus really is to move away from this viprita bhavana. Every time it pops up, you remind yourself you reinforce, either say that take the Lord's name or you reinforce with a Hambra masmi or you say something which distances you from the issue, either good or bad, that's affecting you. And over time, that becomes a constant thought or you say, Brahma, Param, Brahma, So he says, Videha Mukti is the real goal. Even when you're living, you just realize that you're not this body-mind anyway. We just live through it. Jivan Mukti will happen on its own. Vasanas get destroyed, don't get destroyed. He says, really doesn't matter. It's like you're, you're free forever.
1: Sridhar, I think uh, maybe I misunderstood it, but I think it's the uh, it's the other way around. Yeah. Videha Mukti, uh, Jivan Mukti is the is the goal. It's not the Videha Mukti. Videha Mukti will happen automatically if you are Jivan Mukta, because Jivan Mukta means you know. Maybe you used the words in the wrong thing, but I did not understand that when I read that.
6: Which I was thinking of exactly the way you said it till I went through Vivechuramani. In Vekchudamuni, Adi Shankaracharya inverts it. He oh. says, he says, Mukti, Jivan Mukti will happen whether you like it or not. it Will happen. The, the, realize, the moment you realize that you are not this body mind. That is effective Videya Mukti for you. There's no, you were never born. So there's no question of rebirth or dying or being reborn. So the, the whole goal is you take a step back. Then you realize you're never born. Where's the question of death and rebirth and all those sort of things. So immediately achieve Videya Mukti. And then Jivan Mukti is like a, a byproduct. It's like you don't need to slog. Till that time, I thought Jivan Mukti is the goal. Videya Mukti will happen at death. Adi Shankaracharya inverts it and he says the other way. I mean, it's radical. So Vivek Chudamani changes many understanding. But this is one which I thought was very valuable, which is the point that Alpana also hinted at, saying the real, whether it is Prarabdha Karma that you have to exhaust for this birth, the fact that you realize you are not this body-mind, doesn't really matter what the body goes through. I mean, that's as good as Videha Mukti and Jivan Mukti in like one stone, two mango type uh, scenario. So it's, it was a bit I was a,
4: it's a bit radical because I, I thought that when you realize that you are not the body, mind, and kind of the true realization dawns. That is equal to <laughs> Mukti and then, and then you live as long as has continue And then, when you leave the, when you finally sort of die, I mean, the body I'll, post,
6: I'll post the link of this VC lecture yeah, in the group. because this, this <laughs> it's, 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 sounds
4: very different from exactly what Rajesh said. I mean, I thought the other way around.
6: Yeah, very interesting, but just very interesting thought.
4: Yeah, please do. Yeah, thanks.
0: Yeah. So, technical definition is what we we've understood. Vidya mukti is after death. But that, that is what I was actually hinting that Shankaracharya in his bhashya actually says the same thing. That what prarabd? If you're not the body, then who's
7: prarabd?
1: Yeah, I, I, I recall that because, uh, you know, uh, to uh, Sakuba's question, right? I think, uh, you know, who's going through prarabdha is depending on the perspective. You know, when we see a master... Uh, we think that you know the boy the master has a body and all that so we think that the master is suffering and you know going through the prarabdha so he has the prarabdha karma but uh, from the master's perspective master you know it's a non 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 question
0: for, for for the master yeah
4: quite radical i mean is this just kind of vocabulary being being uh... Sort of inverted or is it something different? That's the question I'm asking
6: myself. I would say you... Swami P goes on at length, he doesn't kind of just mention it and drop it. He actually goes and almost criticizes this focus on Jivan Mukti for about 10 minutes in his lecture. And then he starts forward with his. Uh, it's a very, very radical thought to say, Why are you worried about if you're not the body mind? How do you worry about Sanchit Karma, prarabdha Karma, Agami Karma? He says, forget it. That will keep happening. Why should you bother?
4: It's pretty radical, till you get to the point, you got to bother, I guess. Okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's it's different. Do 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 send the link, Shri that's quite quite intriguing.
1: And and the, another thing, you know, just was when Buddha, you were saying something, I was picking up one one thread about, you know, uh, enlightenment and whether it will happen after death and before. Before and all, uh, before right, the uh, the uh, the perspective that you know that that I that I was I was having was that as soon as someone has let's say you know using euphemistically you read chapter two and then you realize that you're not the body mind you're enlightened as an individual, but then going back to the point of what Sridhar was saying, okay. So if I'm enlightened, why am I not able to see that impact in my life? Then that inertia of a moving vehicle, you should remember that analogy, right? You turned off the engine, but the engine is still going. It has to stop after some time. And that means you'll have to start exhausting all the quote unquote, the desires that you already have, uh, even with the knowledge that you're not this body and mind. To Alpana's point, right? You know, yeah, you can be enlightened. All of us are enlightened. But... We don't see the benefit of being enlightened because of uh, that that uh, set of vasanas and desires that are still within us, which we need to start reducing the impact of it. And then Bhagawan gives this 12 beautiful set of karmas that you can keep doing one at a time or all at a time, whatever. So you can reorient yourself and become that particular person who you truly are okay I, I need to ask uh, this uh,
5: uh, anybody uh, but where does this uh, samadhi this uh, vikalpa samadhi nirvikalpa samadhi there were a, there were a series of steps isn't it i i forgot whether it was in uh, 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 Atma Bodha or tatvabodha they yoga ha huh. so uh, in which path do those uh, those steps and the samadhi uh, samadhi and then enlightenment uh, where, where does
1: that all fit in? Uh, I just want I'm curious now. Let me take a shot at it. I could be wrong, but let me take a shot at it. So, um, Advaita and yoga philosophy are slightly different. Okay. 99% they are the same, except the last step. Yoga philosophy, which is the, the Patanjali Yoga Sutra, which is sort of called as sankhya, uh, Sankhya there also the way that uh, that explains is that you need to go through the Samadhi state and for you to know Brahman, right? And they emphasize on that Samadhi state, the Nirvikalpa or Savikalpa, Samadhi. And to Alpana's point, that comes and goes actually. So if something is coming and going, that's not a Brahman state, it's not a permanent state. So, but the point is their emphasis is to go on that particular path. Whereas the Advaita path just says that the moment you know, then that knowledge will burn everything else. So you don't need to have uh, you don't need to sit, meditate to do samadhi and all that stuff. Okay.
5: okay. Because I oh. remember reading this in one of Tattva Bodha or Atma Bodha uh, contexts. The, the, the uh, I think it starts with Yama, Niyama, uh, uh, all those, uh, these things as well, isn't it? Is that all uh, Patanjali Yoga Sutra part Andy? Okay
1: it is patanjali's yoga sutra the ashtanga yoga is mentioned right yama niyama asana pranayama huh. adhanada, dhyana samadhi yeah, yeah yeah i think you are right that it did come up in one of those
4: books as well uh, right. but but i think what uh, my understanding is the same as rajesh's which is uh, that you know you you can get there through that path but again in in patanjali yoga sutra again there is a uh two different things prakriti versus Purush, right so that's where it sort of ends in a way quote unquote but in the Veda, it's like just you're going to enlightenment there's only one i mean that's at least how i have uh sort of understood it but you know you should ask this question when kishore is on because he's the resident expert on uh on uh, this
8: uh yoga Sutras. and Yoga Sutras,
5: yeah. Okay, okay, sure. Or is it that, um, you know, there are different margas, right? Like the Bhakti Marga, Jnana Marga, and uh, uh, what was the other one? That was, uh, uh, that's the yoga marga, is it? it? Uh, And uh, this uh, Yama, Niyama and uh, Samadhi occur in one of those paths and not necessarily all paths have have that stage.
8: I think it's a little bit more of, um perspective right so uh, this is my understanding and based on what guru spoke uh, uh, about it right see the whole idea is not to suffer right that's the premise central premise of the, all these processes right uh, so when when we say oh i have an intellectual understanding i'm not the body right we all of us have that at this point right but has that when something a curveball hits us in life do we still suffer that's a foundational question right if we still suffer, then that understanding is there, but it has not become an experience yet, right? So mm-hmm. when that when that becomes an experience, where you are still witnessing it, so when, when when it becomes an experience, the difference is there's no suffering, right? You are not afraid. There's no the, the inner. If you look at the inner space, you know there's no powerlessness, right? Anger, um, you know, any of those feelings are not there. You are just dealing with. The situation as it needs to be dealt with. Right. Then you're just you're seeing it like a third person, right? There's no identity there. The whole idea is to experience that. Right now, what word we want to call it, that's kind of uh, the scriptures do it slightly different, right? Till that is experienced when you're alive, it's 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 kind of, that's when you're, I mean you can say we are uh, some schools of thought will say you're you are enlightened when you experience that, that right I may have an understanding, but if I'm not experiencing, I'm still in the journey, right? I'm still burning, I'm purifying myself. But uh, one school of thought says, once you understand, you're you're already reached, right? That's kind of one school of thought. The other school of thought will say that, no, till you are tasting it and experiencing it, you are not there yet. So, so I think that is the, the difference, right? Where the goalpost is set. Is, is, I think that's where the words get tricky, right? Uh, I mean, but the essential principle is this, right? As long, I mean, when you're living that, when natural response from the inner state, when the carball hits you, right? Is of a complete equanimity uh, and you're, and you're just seeing it as a witness, like a, your neighbor seeing the event, right? Till that experience comes, then you're still suffering, right? The whole idea, essence of all these paths is not to suffer. And a lot of times when you experience that state, right, um, when you are when you're experiencing life as a witness, right, then um, you would, there's no duality, right? That uh, nirvikalpa, there's no vikalpa, there's no everything's Brahman. That'll become an experience, then you'll get lost in the Brahman, right? You're sitting for hours and hours and hours, getting lost in Bhakfraun. Those are all the samadhi states, right? Uh, I mean, you can experience, you may not experience. But again, all these are words, right? The whole essence is, are you experiencing powerlessness when when, when you're experiencing life, right? That is the essence of it, right? When that happens, then there's still, you know, the the purifying will happen, right? Through all these paths of upasana, karma, all the, all the journey, right? But the, the core to understand, principle to understand is that are you experiencing powerlessness Yes or no. That's a principle. right? And, and if you're able to live that way with complete powerfulness, right? every situation, including your death. So when the yama comes, you are absolutely powerful. Say you come, please sit here. Let's have a cup of coffee. Then that's it. So that's really the goal of all the processes. When yama comes, you just say, hey, welcome. Let's have a cup of coffee. To be able to do that. That, that's how I understand this whole principle. Again, words, I've seen the words are all very, very interplayed and goalposts change. Sometimes the master needs to interpret for you. But the central principle, the way I understand is this able to live life completely powerfully with no powerlessness. Um, when I'm saying powerlessness, all the emotions that we talked about. You're still re-, re engaged with life, you're still responding to life. But in your inner space, there's no. That's why, you know, Krishna, when he and Bhagavan Krishna, he ran away from wars, right? But when he ran away from wars, he was never powerlessness. It was a strategy for him. See, this is very subtle to understand. You may be feeling like running away when you see some action, but the inner space, it'll be still, he will be like, you know, jiggling and, you know, like playing with his friends and, you know, inner space has no powerlessness. He is running away as a strategy. Right? So this is, this is the important part of all this understanding is that powerlessness should not be there in life. That is the goal. However, you want to word it. That is how I understood, based
1: on what my teaching from Master, yeah. Beautiful Bhoku, very well said. And I can I can put it very crudely, you know, in uh, very, very crude words, not as sophisticated as what Bhoku is. If someone asks you, Are you enlightened? And even whether whatever we externally, if we say the answer yes or no, that doesn't matter. Internally, if, if we are 100% confident that yes, we are enlightened, then done. But that internal confidence does not come all the time. We realize, yeah.
4: so I had a question, Mukhu. Uh, so is Nirvikalp Samadhi a step before enlightenment? Or if you are enlightenment you enlight- enlightened, you can go into Nir- Nirvikalp Samadhi at will? Which one is the right thing?
8: Yeah, I think it is, it's, it happens. See, when you start losing the body, identity of the body, I think it doesn't happen to everybody. I think that is Alpuna's point, right? It doesn't, it's not a required step. But generally, when you, when you start experiencing that, that space where you're not the body, then the, there is an experience of, uh, of that, you know, laya, right? You get caught into that. Like you are, because if you're not the body, right? Where does the interest to go? Just sit to yourself, close your eyes. Right? Actually, when you go to deep sleep, they say that's nirvikalpa samadhi. When you're when you're in deep sleep, you're in nirvikalpa samadhi. We experience nirvikalpa samadhi every day, but just we are not aware that we are experiencing, right? That awareness is not there. So very closest thing is when you're in deep sleep, whatever you're experiencing, you experience that through the day. And it's to samadhi, but it's I, I I don't know enough, but I believe it's not a required step, is what it, generally the scriptures are, are, are kind of generally indicating. But a lot of masters do will go through that that phase, and then in fact, we'll other is I am looking at masters' life, Ramakrishna Paramahamsa, or, or um, you know, all the masters, Bhagwan Osho, all of them go through that laya. They get uh, they get into it, and then they get established in something called a sahaja samadhi. Where they are able to uh, be the not the body and operate the body. See, when, in Nirigalpa Samadhi, typically they met, they generally are in sitting in one place or get lost for days and days and days, where that experience that I'm the Brahman is not there. they dissociated with the body, but they're not able to move the body with that identity or lack of identity, if you want to call it. But Sahaja Samadhi is where they are able to move the body like a human and then they can. But established in the Brahman. So they know they are the Brahman. They know you are the Brahman. They know the world is the Brahman, but still can come and interact with you and say and, and listen to your problem and give a solution. That is Sajasama. That's kind of how at least I understand. But again, they may not be all needed to be established in powerfulness. Or or, or you know, what what is what whatever you want to call that state, right? Of like state of no suffering. Yeah, I
4: mean, the way I sort of at least understood it uh, is that in when you go to sleep, you're in a state of you know it's involuntary almost right. When uh-huh. you have no idea what's going on, right? Whereas when you are in samadhi or you know samadhi, uh, you are able to do it voluntarily almost, as in like you can like you said you know you can see the you 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 know you're not your brahman yet you can be sort of aware of the Correct. material side of it. So it's a it's a, it's a very sort of at will kind of a thing as opposed to sleep
8: where you just sleep because you have to sleep. Yeah, that, that's my understanding too, yeah. B- because in sleep, it is unconscious, right? You But exactly. closest for us to understand is because I'm not suffering in sleep, right? So in deep yeah. sleep, I enjoy it. I get regenerated. I, I don't suffer. I'm just using that as a way for us to understand or at least for me to understand, not us. For me to understand. You're right. I think that, that sort of makes sense. If I may add...
0: Um so if you stop eating for a day two days you will get into nirvikal samadhi but that's not enlightenment because the mind is not creating any kritis so i think that's just to give an indication that nirvikal samadhi yes you can get it through uh, control of mind you can get it through uh, controlling the food etc you will you will get into that nirvikal samadhi but that doesn't mean that you will get the knowledge but as you know yeah um when you're enlightened actually the difference in the uh, experience after enlightenment depends on the preparation so if you're prepared yes you can get into nirvikal samadhi and that is a different one where you do go in at will not by controlling your mind or you can access it it's accessible to you so you can just you know while everybody's sitting and talking you can get into that stage uh like ramakrishna used to get in so so that's nirvikal yeah. after getting enlightenment but not everybody can do it again there so it depends on like, the yeah. yeah what your preparation is what your product is it actually depends on that but that doesn't mean that there's any difference in the enlightenment after you pass away you all will not come back into this cycle of uh, uh birth and death so that's my understanding so uh, related to just nirvikal samadhi or the samadhi part of it Um, and it can be done using like pranayama uh, those kind of postures and uh, preparation can get you into that stage but again it comes and goes so that's why it's different from enlightenment
4: and the word that Mukhu used was sahaj samadhi i think that might sahaj be samadhi true. is
0: after yeah after the enlightenment yeah, yes.
4: that's probably yeah. next yeah
0: because then you are not it's effortless so so nirvikal yeah. samadhi of uh, patanjali yoga sutra is not uh, effortless it requires a lot of effort to get into it whereas yeah. after enlightenment the samadhi that you get, get into is more of sahaj it is without effort because you can access that can't you can't even call it experience I don't know what to call it that being yeah,
4: yeah. Thank, thank I mean I, I kind of linked this back to you know even that sort of discussion in in 418 I think around action less than action or the other way around which is that when you're in that state you are actionless yet you are fully aware of the action in the in your body mind amidst
0: Amidst intense action if you can feel actionless.
4: Yeah, yeah exactly. Amidst <laughs> intense action if you feel actionless. And
0: whereas yeah, if I people are just to... sitting idle, uh, they're restraining. So restraining is an action. So that's not actionlessness. Yeah. So you see action in the actionlessness. Actually that's the core of this yeah. chapter. And
4: and a recall
0: four point two four.
4: Leads to four point two four. I mean I, I recall there was a discussion in You know, during this chapter, around what uh, I think Kishore talked about flow, right? And how a musician kind of acts and he's kind of completely immersed in his art or his skill, right? But I feel like it's, you know, when we talk about samadhi or action, action actionless amidst uh, intense action, I think you're kind of almost one step ahead of that, which is that you are. Obviously, immersed in the whole thing, but you're kind of fully aware of the two sides, two parts, right? Because there is action. I mean, you're 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 in, there's intense action, but you're also sort of silent, if you will, right? So, in in a way, it feels like the whole samadhi thing is sort of one step above the typical sort of flow that we experience in different sort of things that we really like, but it's kind of going beyond that all. Yeah.
0: So, flow you can think of it as an aided. It, yes. you use an aid to to get into that state, right? Correct. You should yeah. be able to do
4: it in a sahaj way, without aid. Exactly. So it's like one notch above a typical flow that we experience in our own sort of vocations.
1: Yeah. I think maybe in as a corollary to this discussion, just connecting back to last week's Satsang, uh, the very, that's the reason why there are so many masters and you know that's why we... Probably we'll have to prepare ourselves because it's our. ultimately it's our mindset that will drag us to the right master who could potentially give us that right give or, you know, uh, we will discover that right technique based on our mindset. So nothing to say that, okay, um, this particular path is the right one, that particular path is the wrong, wrong one. I think it's probably how our mindset is uh, evolved over the last, you know, few brilliance of words that we have taken, that will lead us to the right technique that we would need at this point of time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So last week we didn't really expand on that 36 and I thought, you know, that's also an important shloka. I think we just touched upon it a little bit, but uh, I think uh, that even if you are a sinner greater than all the sinners, this knowledge, the boat of this knowledge will uh, will take you across. So, um, I think there's little anecdote which uh, me S.P.G. Uh, told related to this, that when uh, you all know about Kewat, right, who had taken Ram, Sita, and Lakshman across. So when uh, when they go across, Ramji said, "Okay, how should I pay you back?" And uh, he said, "We are in the same business." and uh, so how are they in the same business he said you take people across the bhava sagar, which is the sansar Sagar, and i take people across this you know this water Sagar. so we're <laughs> in the same business so we don't you don't charge people in the same business so i thought that was very cute, <laughs> cute story
1: <laughs> so i'm actually going back again uh... To Uday's question, right? Uh, you know, uh, coming fresh off reading some of uh, uh, these chapters on Bhagavatam, right? There is this one beautiful character in Bhagavatam, which we have discussed in the past also in our uh, satsangs, Jada Okay. So, Jada is a character who, the, the very word Jada Bharat, Jada is like, you know, uh, uh, you know active. Okay. You know, and Bharat is his name. So, he's called Jada because he's like, he uh, He's like, you know, hefty person, well-built and all that stuff, He but he doesn't do anything. Okay. And so uh, the story goes that, you know, in millions of his birth and all that stuff, in one of the births, he has realized that, you know, he's Brahman and all that stuff, but still that inertia is still there. So it keeps, keeps going on. In one of the births, he sees a, a small deer, uh, which is, uh, uh, you know, about to be eaten by a lion or something and he protects it. And then he brings it like his own baby. So at... at in that particular birth, the guy gets so attached to the deer that, you know, Bhagavatam actually describes it pretty beautifully. When he's sitting, even for meditation, he's meditating on the deer rather than anything else. So, he's, he's kind of, you know, his um, foci seems to have shifted to the deer. Okay, so he actually is born like a deer in the next birth. And then he goes on and then finally, you know, he gets, you know, he's obviously, you know, he's a, he knows and all that stuff. So, what i'm trying to say is that you know going back to the point in even in the shlokas that we are reading there is only a guarantee is given saying that if you know this you will you will be out of the samsara but if, there's no guarantee is still given as to when you will be out of the samsara yeah. that Correct. depends on your preparation as an individual so uh, what
5: i liked about uh, this week's uh, this thing or uh, what was uh, that uh, no no guru however great he is can uh, you know, give you enlightenment with a touch or anything like that. It is, uh, you know, we ourselves should work towards it. If it were to be like that, then Krishna would have just done it instead of telling the whole Bhagavad Gita to Arjuna, right? He would have just given, I, I that one really hit home the point that, you know, you cannot just expect to find a guru and then instantly be
1: uh, this thing, so... But but I will tell you one more thing interesting thing several years back maybe almost about two 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 and a half decades back I went to, um, went to one pranic healing teacher okay, and uh, I learned uh, I trained to be a pranic healer okay at that point of time what I realized is that they have some technique okay some technique each person follows their own technique and all that. And this technique, what this person was following, was that he said that you know I'll open up the channels of pranic healing for you. So the theory basically is this: prana everywhere, but you are blocked, you know. And then I'm going to open the up a particular support. channel for you. And once I open it for you, you can access the particular prana everywhere, wherever you are. And uh, and he does some you know something like you know he puts something on on your head like this, and then he says now your channel is open, right? Okay, yeah. so. But the point is like you know uh it's not that the channel is open to everybody at the same extent what the master is saying it's a, it's open to the extent that you are able to receive the particular channel and that reception means that you got to you you should have prepared yourself even before, before going for the particular training that's why you know you said people who say that you know pranic healing also there are gradations right some people will on a scale of one to ten, What's they're possible? probably at level one, but others you go to somebody, they are, they're just
8: able to heal.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Today, to your point, though, whoever has had a guru will always attribute whatever they've learned, whatever, whether they are enlightened, everything to their guru.
5: True. Agree. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It may not happen immediately, but
7: I'm say
0: whatever yeah. i was able to do was also because he blessed me that i could do yeah. it so.
5: yeah I, i'm convinced that the guru is required a living guru is required that about that i'm very very convinced it's not that magically they can uh, you know uh, provide you in an instant right it is something that we need to work on uh, even with and that's the
0: point. I'm saying they do magically provide it, maybe not in an instant, but they do magically provide it. <laughs> I okay. think that becomes your shraddha, maybe.
8: Yeah, I, I, I agree with Alpana, right? At least my experience is that, um, I mean, they can give you an experience, right? Oh, they can, okay. but that is we, because of the vasanas, we come back, right? But what is at least what is important in the journey is see, sometimes when you, when you don't, when we're just dryly reading it, right? possibility is not given to us, right? The possibility, once the possibility, say we're all told about existence of this rasagula that tastes great, right? We are reading hundred recipes about it, right? Then at some point, you may think the rasagula does not exist, right? Um, so the, the guru normally is the one who inspires you. And if you're going to a point that you're going to give up, he will. He can drop a taste of Rasagulla in the morning. They are empowered. They know the art of it. But what happens is we cannot retain it. That's when Guru always says you are enlightened. I'm telling you. <laughs> but your your, your um, bio memory, muscle memory, right? Which are all the karma equivalent, which we are carrying, that is not purified to a point it can retain that I- lack of identity. But they generally, uh, what I've seen is when you're ready to give up, they, I mean that is where you attribute everything. They constantly inspire you and. With a the touch, they can give you uh, a dip or a glimpse of it. Uh, but it's that is, I mean, I mean if you are if you are pure enough, that glimpse itself, we can become fire. Right? We don't need one more touch after that. And that's why you see lot of lot of times, you know, different masters they just get enlightened just hearing like Ramakrish, uh, uh, Ramana Maharishi he just heard Arunachala and he became just that. That was a fire lit him. Right? The word Arunachala. That was the initiation. He did not need, a, a, like, even somebody to touch him. Right? But definitely guru uh, gurus, at least my experience, they they play a very important role in, and also getting you the shortest path, right? The other value from uh, true value is, you know, to your base, like Rajesh said, to your specific mindset, Prarapta, that you carry, uh, the distance between, you know, the, they can take you the sh- shortest point between, you know, to your, to your Jeevan Mukti. I mean, I'm using, again, words that to the point where you are powerful. powerful. So. Cool. Yeah, that's that's been at least my experience. Swami, SPG
4: kind of narrates a lot of stories about him sort of uh, uh, Ramakrishna touching a devotee and the devotee getting enlightened. There's a famous story of this businessman who you who kind of almost uh, sort of uh, forced him to get, give him enlightenment in the middle of the river crossing a boat. So yeah, there's there are stories around it, but I'm not sure how that works. But yeah, in,
8: in fact, uh, there's one one of the slokas that talks about burning of uh, like a burn, uh, burning of ashes, right. So what at least uh, what I learned from my guru is see when we learn like when we understand and. Uh, work on this prarapta, trying to burn the vasanas and all that i want step by step by step let's say i like mangoes right that's a vasana so i can work on it i like as an example right <laughs> going back to context.
0: <laughs> going back to mangoes
8: <laughs> yeah correct and you know I, I like i like curd rice right is another vasana right so i can work vasana by vasana right i can burn them whereas a touch of a master or a presence of a master it's like um, it's like me trying like a piece of wood trying to burn like a tree trying to burn itself, right? Uh, but when a forest fire comes, right? The effort, the tree is not making an effort, the tree just gets burnt. The presence of a master or the diksha from a master uh, can do like a forest fire, can clear a lot of the vasanas um, uh, like in, in, in one shot. That's been my experience. So you kind of go in and, and you know, over, over three, four, five years, you reemerge with a lot of the, the vasanas just getting dropped, not by your will, Or picking one by one and intellectually analyzing and dropping it, it just it just drops. Uh, And I think that's what uh, the Ramakrishna example. A lot of them happen that way. Um, It's like a deluge of purification happens in his presence, and then and then some of them are just left to kind of take it to the finish line, overdose. So Mm -hmm. that
3: is
8: that is that's that's why the gurus are important because it's not the mind is very mind it takes a long time. So just pick one by one and sometimes the mind will be mind will also cheat you right because you you will kill the mind in the end right the mind will not die see that's why it, that is the whole trick about it right you, you the whole journey is to kill the mind in one way as we understand it and 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 you're using the mind to do it so he's a master so he can trick you to believe that he need he's needed to survive and that's why the guru will come and say no he's not needed to survive you to survive so that's where the, the, the some of the struggles can come with just working on our own but working on own is possible everybody says it's not impossible the, the path is also there one chooses to
0: a very interesting story about ramakrishna is that uh, so he had nine disciples direct disciples i don't know exact number i've forgotten but uh, once uh, ramakrishna left his body all of them actually went into seclusion Because they said, "What he gave us, we want to make it our own." Because in his presence, obviously, you know, it was—it's easy to meditate or focus your thoughts and you know do those things. But once he left, they said they all had to go into seclusion to make it to make the enlightenment their own. Yeah, and there's
8: a beautiful. uh, There's a I think three or four part. Where, uh, where they wrote about that part when they were living near an old dilapidated building near a railway station, or whatever, right? I mean, it's very inspirational. If you read uh, about Vivekananda's life and all the six or seven disciples around,
0: yeah,
8: uh, it's very, very inspirational. I mean, they, didn't, they don't have food. One of them will go to the village to beg for everybody. And many days, there's no food. They just put a towel, like wet, wet towel and sleep. And the, the train track next to it, the building can collapse anytime. You know, just is just amazing that the inspiration they had just to even go through the journey. Um, it's truly really inspirational, you know, just to just to see what they gave up to establish, like what for Vivekananda to become who he is, right? And then we all enjoy the fruits of them. So, hey, Kishore, welcome back.
9: Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Hello, how are you all? I didn't mean to disturb uh, the discussion in between, but I <laughs> wanted to join you whenever I could. <laughs>
1: So, uh, just continuing on the same thread, right? Just to um, uh, one of the one of the things that I remember having read somewhere is, uh, you know, let's say that uh, there is a guru, and depending on our attitude towards that guru, the guru's instructions or upadesh will start working on us. So, when I say what I mean by that, like the way that I understood is, if if we see that guru as quote unquote a person or anything like that, then you know that's what we'll probably get. But if you see that guru as uh, pure knowledge of uh, jnana, then that knowledge has the ability of burning the entire forest. So how do we see it?
3: Beautiful point, Rajesh. In fact,
6: we say this all the time: that guru is not a person, it's actually a tattoo. You Just put a sincere intent out there, and whether it's swami peace lecture or you get some official lecture out of the blue, or somebody just sends you. And someone just the other day I was thinking aloud and thinking maybe I should run the shlokam, and lo and behold, next day somebody in the family group posts the shlokam to me and recording, and I sent it to I think Krishna. It's, it's, I mean, YouTube is effectively the groove in uh, sort of a virtual way but it's truly a tattwa it's not one person it's just the universe somehow conspiring to get you what you want and why it comes to you what good things you did to it, deserve that if you start questioning it you'll never find answers it's to me Swami P is wonderful SPG is wonderful but two and a half years back we didn't know either of them I mean we knew Swami P for the last two, at least myself and SPG we accidentally stumbled on SPG thanks to one nochur Venkatraman Daya, on shankaracharya Jayanti. So, I think it's just Adi Shankaracharya is like the Maha, the sort of Jagat Guru, and he's just conspiring and sending all these YouTube videos and audios and people and even the satsang or all the satsangs we get. So, it's just purely a tattoo.
4: So, I had a question here, right? and I, I was not there last week, uh, and I'm sure you guys discussed about the Guru and the importance and all that good stuff. But there is a school of thought that you, you should only you should follow one Guru at a time until you have gotten to a point where you have a reasonably good understanding because if you follow several gurus who will explain things differently and with some sort of their own sort of nuances the chances are that you could get quite confused right and much like you Sridhar and most of us, in the, many of us in the group you know I listen to a lot of lectures from different gurus who I kind of deem to be my gurus if you will and Yes, I mean there is there are some little differences, but is there merit in sort of saying okay, let me listen to one of the swamis for the entire eighteen chapters in detail before I, you know, kind of allow other thoughts and books to influence my my understanding.
1: Ajay, I don't know the. You remember? Yeah, if you remember yeah. when we started the Gita Satsang group, okay. One of my requests was that, uh, you know, just let's stick to Shankaracharya's tradition at this point, after that and the Saraswati, and let's not, you know, read other things, at least for till we finish that smaller book, right? Yes, That's exactly certainly. the reason because what will happen is in the in initial formative stages for us, you know, it's very easy to get uh, sucked into, you know, conflicting ideas and debating and all that stuff. But once your formation has happened, once the structure of what the subject matter is has kind of you know gotten into our heads doesn't matter what the path we, we had followed then just one path after that you know choosing any master and you know listening to it it does not matter like i personally come from uh, from a family where madhvacharya is revered but you know i never resonated with madhvacharya's philosophy but now i enjoy madhvacharya's philosophy completely yeah, I see
2: what you're saying. I don't get or yeah. now. Yeah, to add to that, I would say probably the uh, the system rather than the exact one guru. So it's okay if you switch between Swami P, Swami S P G to get different perspective of the same shloka. But if it's like Advaita Vedanta that you have started with, like as we all have uh, starting with Adi Shankaracharya, if you're following that system, it's good to then fully learn to go through that system to see how far you can go to fully comprehend. And then everything becomes additive. I, I say the same thing. So it's uh, one analogy I remember from one of the lectures was uh, trying out different systems. is like going to different places and digging about 10 feet and saying, oh, there is no water. You want to stick to one place and dig as deep as possible uh, to be able to realize the fruits. And then the other point is that like once one system is groped very deeply, all the other things become additive then you don't find a conflict with uh, patanjali maharishi you say oh that is for restraining my body and my mind and senses anyway i have to do that to go to get this perfect Jnanam and be in the nididhyasana mode so you you end up using that you read buddhism then you can reconcile that saying oh they are just ending at the point where it says shunya we just kind of go there and then extend it beyond and say uh, brahman or any anything else like or for example as uh, rajesh pointed out madhvacharya or Ramanujacharya, you are able to bring all the bhakti and devotion or Lord Krishna or Lord Vishnu as the ultimate goal gets reconciled into whatever uh, we have already learned. That's what I uh, feel as well. I'd like
10: to just add a perspective here. See, I'd like to distinguish between intellectual study and practice. So in terms of intellectual study I 100% agree with what Rajesh and Krishna said. It's like first, if you have a textbook, then you can go to a reference book. If you follow five reference books and you don't have a textbook, then you get confused. You know, textbook, and in this case, textbook itself is highly confusing. Yeah. You know, raise the doubt and to surrender, what I was saying last time. So it's confusing enough, right? One chap is one textbook will confuse you. So get the base right, then go to reference. But my, the second part of, uh, you know, what I want to say is that. While even at the initial stage, you want to read a textbook and a reference book, it's not recommended, but it's still, you know, I would say manageable. But don't try to mix methods and techniques. That's a sure shot way to, you know, lose sanity. I mean, I'm saying it very strongly, you know, meditation, mix so, because we are not great bartenders. So let's not try to make our own cocktail <laughs> and let's stick to you know the whatever is the drink any of the master has made believing it's okay we are not we let's not mix and match that part you know so i w- i would think that's a non-negotiable you know method and technique stick kare. but yes if you're not satisfied and i firmly believe this you know that you know i mean uh sometimes this philosophy once your guru is it's for Eternity, and you know, if you're changing a guru, then you have guilt. I think we had one discussion, but I'm saying that it's even okay if you sort of if the guru has outlived you or you've outlived the guru, but then you change completely again. Don't do a you know cocktail and a kichdi ki thoda thoda that part, but uh, Ajay, having said that, it's not easy. Suppose you practice one technique for 10 years, 15 years, five years and then you try to switch to the other one. You know, there's so much of programming that has already happened. Uh, You know, it's not so easy to transition, but if you want to transition, transition completely. I mean, go from college A to college B or from engineering to medicine. But, you know, that's what I would say. I think that is, uh, you know, far better approach in my view. Of course, I might be wrong, but that's what my view is rajiv
1: thanks for summarizing shloka
8: 39 <laughs> thank you the, the perspective uh, you know at, at least uh, i've gotten is that uh, like even my guru says that you can it's like you know you can you can get inspired right see a lot of times the, when you meet many masters it's an inspiration right uh, any school of thought can inspire you you can get a, get a click inspiring you but as the as the kind of the seeking intensifies, right? Um, Slowly, the being will start falling in love with like either a school of thought or uh, somebody who expresses a school of thought, right? So there's a a part of the journey where everybody can inspire. I mean, any inspiration is fantastic, right? To, uh, To kind of keep us to the journey, right? And then eventually you will gravitate the, the journey itself will crystallize to somebody one more or one or two more than the rest, right? And just follow that follow that journey. That's all, um, you know, and that's kind of how I, at least the journey. Is. And eventually the, the one Sadhguru, if there's a need that will also show up. If there's no need, there may be two people who can help, right? I mean, that's, the cosmos is intelligent to kind of like this point is always saying tatastu, right? It just, as we're intensifying, it will crystallize itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, as a lot of times, you're you like something it resonates, uh, go with it, uh, because that's that will give. The, there's no need to be afraid. Is what I'm saying. Right? Just just explore. Um, the cosmos. The process is intelligent enough to crystallize, if needed, a person uh, or two people, or whatever it is, right? If needed. Yeah, we don't need. To, I don't think the restriction is not. Uh, Afraid and being a restriction not not needed. Just have
10: fun. And Rajesh, uh, sorry, I did not see the strong connection between what I said and and shloka thirty nine. Although you said it and that's why I was surprised, but I could not I, see the connection.
4: I think I think it's it's shloka forty if I'm not mistaken. At least I thought forty was more, you know, relevant to
10: what you said, Rajesh. Okay. Anyway, I mean, I read these both, but I could not see the connection. But of course, we can take it up later also. I mean, no, no. no the, the, the reason why yeah. I felt
1: it echoed with 39 was very simply, you know, uh, there is a faith what you in, in what you said. There is a faith that there is an ultimate goal for human life. And yeah. then then the paths what you follow can change, but doesn't matter. But you are still anchoring yourself to one goal. That, that, that faith is not shaken. If the faith is shaken, then you know, you don't even follow any path.
10: Sure. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah, that connection is there. Mm. Sorry, Krishna, you were saying something I interrupted you. No,
2: no, no, no. I was just echoing one more point on 339 is uh, Lord Krishna's another promise. So that means it will happen in short time. So it's not like you have to do it for multiple if you can. Manage to get the realization in this Janma, you are done. So yeah. you need this, with me. You yeah.
0: need those three things. Shraddha, Tatparta, and Indriya Sayam. <laughs> so if you have so, control of senses, the eagerness or what how Swami SPG says, up and doing. <laughs> so you need to have faith and then up and doing <laughs> and, and the control of senses. Then it is guaranteed. Correct. And even going is... to a guru, even going to guru, you're not guaranteed to get it. But if you have these three things, then you're guaranteed. Yeah,
10: to... but Alna see, I think we have discussed this, and you know now it's almost seven forty-two. See, the thing is, we are all plan versus actual target versus actual guys. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, target. Milega, kya milega. Hai? target will
0: <laughs> target, will Target,
10: what is actual? What is variance analysis? What is what is the basis of the measurement that I've made progress? You know, see these assurances, no, uh, I'm, I'm just, these assurances <laughs> are because the path can be, can lead to disillusionment, disenchantment, frustration, etc., etc. Because there's, and I think what that Kishore's beautiful presentation, you know, gives you some insight uh, whether I'm making progress or I'm not making progress am I at the same place have I progressed have I come down you know and at what pace am I moving So I mean these assurances are, it's again my view that is more like tension madlo," you know jaoge, because the path can be you know can be full of ups and downs and right but I'm saying that and I think VP also sometimes talks about it in one of the earlier you know thing. Is, how do I measure, you know, that I am indeed making, I'm saying satisfactory progress. It won't be like what I'm saying, plan versus actual target, kya tha, deadline. Kya thi. It can't be that fine, but at least a reasonably good measure, you know, because in all of us are working in professional life. We always say, what is the data source? How did you measure? Is the measurement right? So, you know, to be. Uh, because also one more thing I'm sorry you're just taking a different one we were talking about gurus earlier okay and I'll just connect the two thoughts they're very very divergent thoughts see there are three types of gurus one is a celebrity world renowned guru 50,000 30,000 ki gathering mein miloge, namaste karoge and uh, Sadhguru Shri Shri when Maharshi was alive you may not even get a private audience unless you know somebody you Know so that is one level of guru. Then, second level of guru is okay, you know, reasonably popular, one of the Shankracharyas or whatever. And then, you know, I would say customized gurus, boutique gurus, you know, <laughs> with small ashram, unknown, etc. Now, there and the, the celebrity and the personal touch is inversely proportional, right? The bigger the guru, maybe you have a brand assurance that this is enlightened, hoga. Isko itne log follow karte. and the smaller boutique. Guru, sorry for this kind of terms, not to demean anyone, but I'm just saying the one where you have a lot of personal touch, you know, will, will may not be, then you'll keep questioning your enlightened, ki nahi hai. Iske the followers. The therefore now I'm linking the earlier point, unless there is a slightly, I would say, uh, reliable measure to know your progress you know, then you'll have to keep saying, no, 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 keep the faith. Your guru is right. No, 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 don't worry. Your path is right. Look, there is an assurance you're okay. But the reality is that, is there a a, a method to measure that I have really made progress and I will crack it. Okay, forget this lifetime. Okay, next in 100 lifetimes. Or where where did I start from in this life? And it says, no, that you will rapidly make progress you know, whatever you've done in the previous life. So how do I judge that I've started at, let's say on a scale of 10, when I was born, I was at three. Did I move to five? And, you know, where, should I feel happy that I reached when I ended this life, it was five? Or should it have been seven? This is, you know, one area. Uh, that's why all these doubts, Guru, Godman, method, am I, I don't know if anybody has any perspective on this.
8: Yeah, so Rajiv, definitely I have a perspective, right? For sure, there is a method and the marriage is very helpful there, right? So you, if you replay back, if you, the only way, easiest way to say if you're making progress or not is, you know, when, when your spouse picks up, we all know they all pick fights, right? How you respond back, right? Um, over the years, if the response is more and more, yeah, okay, powerful, not, not you know when when she's making a comment on your mother or whatever, right? Just <laughs> how you react. <laughs> yep. That's a great scale uh, to tell if you're making progress or not. It's a very, very practical scale. <laughs> sure. Is is, is I mean, I'm, though, I'm I'm serious here, right? Even though I'm just it's a jestful, but that's a, that's exactly that's... a good way to measure, right? Uh, because if you're if you're powerful in every situation, right, then you are making progress. You may learn everything and you know and anything your spouse says makes you same the way you're angry the day day three of marriage um, and and not not I mean powerfulness from a context of this knowledge right and not sure. powerfulness because you're indifferent to somebody's words right um, I mean then the, I mean that's a progress right? similarly I mean your boss right I mean people all around us right keep poking at us how we respond if you respond powerfully over the years, powerfully, as, as as we understand the science, then, then we are making progress, right? If you're reading and reacting the same way, getting angry the same way, being afraid the same way, when somebody passes away, right, just reacting with the same suffering. I mean, if we continue, the suffering should go down. That's a scale, right, in life. Uh, if your suffering is going down, then definitely you are making progress. If suffering is not going down, you're not. So and that's a perspective. I mean, that's been my experience also with
1: Having yeah. learning it's these the things. things, yeah. yeah. It's and i see three hands raised F-I-R here. So, uh, any, even of you have a related comment to this, let's uh, discuss that. Otherwise, you know, we can park that and then come back. Uh, go ahead.
9: I think Ashish went before me. Ashish, do you have a related comment? And Sonali too, actually. Go ahead. Yeah, um, I I
8: have a related comment, and it. Uh, uh it may sound a bit absurd also and it is just a perspective uh so i i i think we, we we all are like most of us are engineers here and professionals so we we are very much into calibration and into measuring uh, i i would say why not just assume that we are already there and go about our life and uh, i i think uh Whatever needs to happen to take us in the right direction will happen. Uh, that's just a perspective. I know it may sound too theoretical and uh, too uh, esoteric, but uh,
1: just just wanted to give that point of view. Love it. What's the need to measure? Interesting. So Sonali, did you
9: also have any uh, related comment or was it a different topic? Yeah,
7: yeah. I, I joined after a long time, so I really haven't been following a lot of discussions in the past, but listening to the discussions today, I just want to share a few comments here, something related to what Mukundan was saying, like all these discussions and studies are, I think, for our understanding to reduce suffering, right? So whatever all these are, are paths towards reduce suffering. Now, my, I mean, uh, what do you say? Question is, okay, all this is like maybe a method or a technique to reduce really suffering. And these methods or techniques have been coming for many hundred years and they were relevant then. But now with the understanding of science, the science has advanced so much. How relevant are these even now? Maybe for some extent, they'll be relevant in the sense I'm saying, like you want to reduce the suffering. Suppose for some reason you have a broken hand. Okay, you don't want to experience the pain. So you tell yourself, okay, I'm not the body. So I don't experience the pain. And uh, so it's my body which is suffering. And so you don't let your mind suffer. And you don't experience the pain. At the same time, you have a broken hand. And you, you know, you're taking a lot of medicines not to experience the pain. And at the same time, you're keeping your mind strong and positive and saying, well, okay, I don't have any pain. It's my body, which is suffering. It's not me that's suffering. Now, the same, I think, can be achieved if scientifically, I, I, I believe like, I mean, this is a little bit from my, you know, drug discovery knowledge that I'm sharing here. That there is something called a sodium 1.5 channel. If you block that channel, you don't experience pain. And I think there are a lot of people in this world, like especially in the Pakistan, Afghanistan area region, who have this channel mutated, so they don't feel a lot of pain. Okay. So is and scientifically, I think people are progressing to a lot, uh, a lot of understanding, like how to you know stop uh, these experiences or emotions. Like, you know, maybe all these, uh, all these experiences, emotions that lead to suffering can, can they be, you know, blocked scientifically so that you do not experience the pain or suffering? Vice versa, you go through the organic method of meditation and, you know, all these asanas or whatever, this Bhagavatam methods and techniques that is being described and been practiced to reduce your pain and suffering. So this is, I mean, my, what do you say, you know, uh, thought like like how, I mean, okay, these are all relevant, but how, how long more will they be relevant? Because recently, like I was seeing some news that in the US people are saying they don't believe in God anymore, majority of the people. So all this, I mean, because of the science and development, development of science, people, I think, Science can control, maybe can help you control most majority of your pain and suffering. so you don't experience pain and suffering, you can stay in a state of equanimity despite a lot of troubles and whatever. Because we run to a guru, why? Because many, I mean, okay, you run to a guru, I mean, just to have a good life, but also you run to a guru because you are suddenly in the midst of a problem. You don't know what is the right path. So guru with his wisdom and knowledge, will tell you okay out of these three four 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 possible ways maybe you should follow this path so that is where his wisdom and knowledge because he's you know interacting with so many hundreds and thousands of people so he and he has read through the scriptures he knows you know what is the right path he knows you he will probably advise you what is the right path for you to do do so i mean and uh uh so, uh, so this is basically so that, uh, I mean, a um, little confusing here, I mean, uh, uh, with, with your, I mean, guru can tell you what is the right part at the same time. There are a lot of people who themselves know that what is the right part, I don't need a guru to go to. Okay, and that is possibly because of their genetic ma- makeup. And to a lot of extent, that genetic makeup can be controlled. So, so my question is, how long more all these techniques and methods will be relevant? Coming, you know, this maybe in the next fifty or hundred years, maybe that's my question.
9: So, so one quick point there, Sonali, to that point, where science versus the teachings. The teachings have been around to me. For more than five thousand plus years at least that much and it has not changed but if you look at most of the scientific things that we have it is still evolving what was supposed to be the truth is now changed uh, even a decade later and every decade or so we are learning new things we are, we are uncovering discovering new things right and it's constantly evolving and changing right so right there is one answer for me right that there is something that has stayed uh, true for so many thousands of years, whereas there's something that's changing so often that you don't know what is true anymore, right? So uh, in that sense, I would like to place the bet on something that's stayed true for uh, for thousands of years. So that's one uh, one perspective with respect to the, the last comment that you made.
8: And, and Kishore, uh, well said. I would also say like if sodium is a blocker, so it's cocaine,
7: right?
8: Yeah. Uh, or, or alcohol, right? So again, it's all <clears throat> its all with side effects and after effects. Whereas I think uh, the reason why the wisdom has stayed unchanged is because it's holistic, uh, right? There's no side effects. If you kind of go through that, you just experience no suffering, but there's no other side effects. Like, you know, you, you don't get addicted to cocaine uh, or, you know, <clears throat> you don't get addicted to alcohol or smoking. I mean, all of them are uh, pathways to give you that in a zone of no suffering, right. Uh, so, so at my perspective, I think that this knowledge is way old and, uh, you know, as old as sun and as, as new as sunrise, it will continue to be that way uh, for, you know, for many, many, many centuries to come. It's not going to change. And the second point,
9: my yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. You know, the other point again is to see that in spite of this current generation being the most comfortable, the most you know, uh, we are having seen all the advances in terms of luxuries, in terms of medical, what, whatever, any aspect. You look at it from a scientific side, we have made the most progress, but the suffering has actually is probably more than ever, right? And, and that yeah. is very true. I, it, this is not something I'm making up because if you look at all the data around uh, around um, um, mental well-being or depression, or if you look at any type of st- statistic it is at the highest. It is very clear that people are suffering more than ever. So there is obviously a contradiction right there. So the scientific advancement okay. has not led to the decrease of suffering. So then, then why would we continue doing, going after something that uh, um, has not proved to be true? That's one. Secondly, uh, if you look at many things, many advancements in psychology in, 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 around positive psychology, for instance, Um, If you look at, uh, just walk into a bookstore that, and walk into the section that talks about philosophy or psychology, uh, you will see things going back, right? Uh, You will see many books around stoicism from, uh, or uh, especially here, I'm saying, um, or things going back to our positive psychology, talking about uh, many aspects that we have already seen in in the Gita, for instance, right? If you talk about flow uh, or one-pointedness, it's probably the same thing. So, uh, yeah, yeah, and and this gravitation towards uh, mindfulness, and you would see that things are going back to to the core, uh, because people have seen that the, the new ways did not work. Um, suffering has not ended. So, th- these are all proof to me that
7: yeah, definitely we are on the science right path.
9: Absolutely, staying at the core. The
7: more the more the science advances. This I have heard. I have read also. The more the science advances there will be more conflicts in your mind you will not know what is the right thing and the right wrong thing so there are more conflicts and more psychological problems and you know a lot of uh, other problems that will lead you to suffering but this is this is what is kali yuga is right kali yuga is advancement of science to the point that there's so much conflict in among people that it leads to lots of Sufferings and pain, and that will eventually lead to Satyuga. You know,
1: so I just want to you know. Maybe read out uh, one one para from you know uh, page three thirty three, right? If you if you if you look at the last paragraph, it says the whole. I'm not reading the entire thing. The whole world is striving to win the highest joy that it can possibly can and have gained it to invest all energy and intelligence to retain the same. Then the goal of life should be absolute happiness. So the question that we are all trying to ask is, okay, what's the final goal of life? Where you're going to achieve that freedom and happiness? And that's what you know, uh, the Gita and other uh, spiritual uh, science is offering us to say, okay, anchor yourself to the particular goal and then have faith in that, uh, be consistent in it and you know control your sense enjoyments, and then focus on this particular goal, you're bound to get there. Yeah, I, I think it's important to have a very clear
9: understanding of what what that is, that that life goal. Well, I mean, even if then they say moksha, right? What is what is that freedom from, right? What is that? Um, it's basically to me freedom from suffering, right? Uh, and I think it, I think it is Buddha who said that basically happiness is the lack of suffering, right? So understanding that, um, and what does that state look like, right? What, what does that end state look like, which is uh, the lack of suffering, which is basically at the mental level. Um, and so th- this is uh, this is the path that's been prescribed and you can uh, to again back to uh, rajiv's point you how do you know that you're progressing on the path right i think i know that you're probably at uh, uh, at, at eight of uh, 7:30 here um, but uh, th- this is uh, something that we'll have to see in uh, in ourselves i mean fir was prescribed how have we uh, progressed in terms of our um, i would say the vast majority of our effort goes into our mental preparation of the mind, or purity of the mind, as the sadhana chatushtayam and other things have pointed out, that's where the that's where most amount of effort, in practically speaking, will go in. And then from there, the final thing is, the, you know, you're already prepared, and it's easier uh, to understand it from that point. So then it's the question of, to me, um, uh, the comparison with the lake, that's basically to reduce the impurities in the water, and to reduce the amount of waves on the surface of the water. To me, those are the two things that we are trying to do, uh, to reduce the impurities and to reduce the, um, uh, the agitation on, or on the waves on the surface of the water. So that's kind of how I see it. If you look at the, va- uh, the lake as the mind, so how do we reduce the impurities in the mind and um, the wavering of the mind? But that's where most of these practices are coming from. And how do we know that we are getting more and more purer and that the waves are reducing on the surface. That, you know, that's kind of where uh,
1: the all the teachings are pointing to. Yeah. So yeah. we're at seven thirty. Yeah. I think we'll probably have to conclude uh, this session today. Uh, I think uh, you know, one thing that uh, I was hoping Kishore, you would have said to Raji's question was FIR as the mantra for uh, yeah. measuring progress. So Rajiv, the mantra is there: FIR, frequency, intensity, and uh, yeah. recovery. Recovery. Okay, so that uh, mantra, we can obviously talk about that uh, specific, uh, if, uh, more, uh, uh, as a refresher, if you we, if we need to uh, understand that a little better. So I guess that, uh, you know, uh, with that, uh, we, we conclude chapter four and really looking forward to next week's, uh, you know, review and then uh, continuing on to chapter five. Okay, so we will... Uh, we will conclude with our uh, concluding prayer. Om mm-hmm. Sarve Bhavantu Sukinaha Sarve Santu niramaya Sarve Bhadrani Pashyantu Makas Chiddukha Om Shanti 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 Shri Gurubhyo Namaha Harihi Om Enjoy the rest of your day.
0: Are you